Welcome to episode six of Lessons in Leadership. My name is Grant Kreft, and in this episode, I am joined by Warren Whiteley, the former Springbok captain and Lions captain, and currently the defense coach for the Sharks franchise here in South Africa. My biggest takeaway in this episode was how Warren shares the fact that leadership can come in a completely different style from person to person. Enjoy. People don't necessarily know the, the ins and outs on the professional side of rugby. Maybe just give a quick glance into the professional rugby world and over the last, say, five years, how you've seen it grow and transform, because I think that's a good uh, foundation for us to then start talking into the crux of you within the leadership environment. Yeah, sure, Grant. In short, rugby's really grown over the last, last couple of years, uh, not just people wanting to play, but wanting to watch. And the viewership has, has increased, and um, which has been massive for the sport. And obviously with viewership comes commercial rights and et cetera, et cetera. So it's become a massive business around the world. And we've seen uh, clubs in France, especially how they've grown and, and massive, massive crowds um, joining these games, watching these games, um, and it's, yeah, it's been phenomenal to watch. And, and in turn, the game has also become really, really professional. And within South Africa, there's been a big leap forward in the last five years in terms of professionalism. And, um, you know, I believe Rossi and, and, and Jock have played a massive role there in, you know, bringing a lot of ideas from Ireland, having coached in Ireland for many years. And um, why Ireland? It's, it's just because they have, achieve so much with really minimal, minimal amount of players. They contract, and I stand to be corrected, but about probably about 180 to 200 professional rugby players. And currently they're in the top three in the world. Uh, they've been really consistent over the last um, five years and achieved phenomenally with, with that amount of players. And if you compare that to South Africa, we're sitting... I think it is probably in about 750 to 800 professional players. And um, they've had to find ways and means of competing with the rest of the world. And they have really, really um, brought in a couple amazing things. And Jock and, and Rossi then came back. And I remember sitting in the first, in one of our first meetings with the Springboks. And the first thing they told us was, you're not professional enough to all of us straight, straight up, just told us straight up. And then they showed us some clips. They showed us some clips um, of a game against Wales. And they showed us our game on that weekend where the Welsh had a scrum. I think it was a left-hand scrum. They, uh, they went from 9 to 10, 10 to 12. And the, the, the center kicked it across to the winger and the winger scored. And they showed us the setup, a particular setup of this left-hand scrum and where it was in the field against us. Then they showed us a clip of a week prior to that against a different team where in exactly the same position, exactly the same setup, they did the same thing. And their question was, how did we not know this was coming as a group? How did we not put time and effort in analyzing this, seeing the cues and then adapting and stopping it? Um, and... Yeah, it was, it was just phenomenal, you know, and, and, and then it was a completely different way of doing things. I think 
having played at the Lions for, for so many years, I was exposed to one way of doing things and I completely believed in it. And we were really successful in that way. And when I was with, with Rossi and Jock, it was a completely different way. And I learned that there are different ways of doing things. You know, there's not just one way. And you can still be successful, but in, in, in different ways. And how many caps did you actually earn with the Springboks? Uh, 24, yeah. Over how many years was that then? So I made my debut in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then my last game was in 2018. So it's not, not, not many years. I would have loved to have, have played more. I was under three coaches, so um, but you got to different different leadership styles, and and you got yes. to see different tactics and ways of doing things, and probably also what you enjoyed and what you didn't enjoy. Exactly, and you know, as as professional athletes or rugby players, you exposed to different coaches, different environments, and different ways of doing things, and we're really fortunate in that manner. And I've had some. Uh, amazing coaches with completely different ways of doing things. If I think of John Mitchell uh, coming across the lines, um, you know, then a guy like Johan Ackermann taking over, which again, completely different to a guy like John Mitchell, then Swayze the Brain taking over at the lines, completely different. Heineke Meyer at the box, uh, completely different. Rossi and Jock, and now Sean here at the Sharks. So yeah, it's, it's amazing to be exposed to styles and different ways of, of doing things. And um, I think it's a massive privilege for us to be in those environments and to learn. Let's actually touch on that. How have you been able to navigate the changes of your bosses, your different coaches, your different uh, leaders throughout these different businesses, as well as the changing of the guard within the existing business that you've been in? I mean, because that's very important where if someone say sitting within a corporate environment right now, there's definitely managers that are changing and their CEOs or their head of marketing or their head of, you know, kind of audit is changing. And how do you or how did you and have you navigated the changing of leadership and how you then make sure that you can still extract the most value from your growth and as well as the team? The most most important thing is just just to be open minded and 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 willingness to listen and to learn from other ideas. And I can tell you, it's, it, it's not easy, especially if you've been in a very successful environment or part of a very successful environment. And I was fortunate to be part of one such environment at the Lions where for many years, there was little to, to no success. And within a, a shortish amount of time, we played in three consecutive Super Rugby finals. And once you're part of an environment like that, you completely believe in the way of doing things and you are thoroughly sold in this particular way of doing it. And I remember when joining the Springboks, at first, I was a bit hesitant and um, not, not worried is not the word, but just I thought this is completely different. I, I'm not sure if I believe in this. I'm not sure if this is going to work. And of course, the more and more I was in that environment and I then started realizing, well, she says a different way of doing things as well. You know, there's no right or wrong. It's just a different way and always to be willing to listen fundamentally 
uh, first, you know, listen without wanting to respond first, which is important. And, and then formulate your own way of thinking. Perhaps if coaching is something that you want to do, which is what I wanted to do, um, often you can formulate the things that you believe in or the process that you believe in. And if you, you know, exposed to different coaches, you can keep like a bit of a library for yourself and you can develop your, your own way of doing things um, and then tweak it and change it in whichever way you want. But you just learn so much from different environments and different people and just being open-minded and exposed to different. So what I take from that is very much around the fact that when there is a changing of the guard or when you do have a change of leadership, you really need to take it as an opportunity for a new environment because that new environment is going to be instilled from the style that that particular leader brings to the team. And they then, of course, going to share from their experiences, from what they believe has worked. But then you've got that reciprocity whereby they're also going to listen to what's worked within the camp before they arrived. And also around appreciating the fact that there is no one particular style to lead a team in whatever organization you're at there's you know all of us have different strengths and weaknesses and and have different backgrounds and experiences therefore the styles there may be similarities but we're not necessarily just going to be a cut and paste of what has been you know in yesteryear so Warren if I were to compare non-sporting businesses to sporting businesses the one element that I think is a key differentiator is the idea of a celebrity, you know, the idea of a star. And, you know, in the corporate world, we've got our LinkedIn and there's the ability to build and share your insights and content around your experiences. But we know that from an entertainment world, the idea of a celebrity is, of course, uh, very different in terms of the, also the scrutiny on, on, on those individuals and the expectations. So how do you navigate dealing with the egos of celebrities versus making sure that they're going to do their role as in the best interest of the entire team? Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's definitely become a bigger part of what we do. And with, with the rise of social media and it's become massive for play to, to have their own brand, to almost sell themselves, to expose themselves uh, to businesses. I think what's really important is, and this is something that Rassi says quite often, is the man needs to stay the main thing. And, and, and what the main thing is, or your bread and butter as a player is, is performance. Um, the four white lines, that's what matters. What you're putting out there on the field regardless of anything else. I still think it is important for players to create their own brand. And it's an unforgiving game, uh, rugby. And, and I mean, your career can end at any time. And it's important to, to establish um, whether it is a brand for yourself, if that's the route that you want, the one to go, or um, just people. You know, you, I think it's, it's, it's an easy conversation starter for someone that is playing professional rugby to speak to business owners or business people. And... A lot of young players often struggle. The networking part for young players is often not easy. They just, they don't see the value in it. But there's such, such massive value for young professional players 
because it's the easiest of conversation starters. I play for the Stormers. Oh, easy. Anyone wants to talk to someone who's playing for the Stormers or professionally or for the Sharks and then to share your interests, to ask questions, I think that's extremely important. It's something that's highly undervalued within players. You know, they, it's because you get exposed to people always wanting to know what you, what you're doing. Uh, often um, you lack that, I wouldn't say knowledge, but just knowing how to speak or how to ask questions, that's really, really important. It's a difficult one with social media because you can see players at times, they aren't performing, um, coaches at times. I mean, I can remember even when I played and um, it's definitely become more so in time, but I used to get a lot of personal messages just straight up, just telling me, for lack of a better word, like, I'm terrible, you know, I'm horrible, I'm not good enough, what am I doing in that team? It happens to all players, but you've, I think it's, you also learn. You also learn that you've got to have thick skin and that often it's just an opinion and um, supporters are allowed to have opinions. You must understand that as, as a player or as a coach. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to listen to it, but yeah, it can, it can be tough times on that note around the pressure right describe to me the, the support system that you've naturally set up as you've gone through your sporting career because i think this relates then even into the corporate environment because people as they go through their career as they be, go from say you know a junior to a senior to then a manager to a c-suite executive that also happens in terms of the scrutiny and the pressure and they also need to instill and make sure that there's a support network in place. So just describe around your experience, how you've made sure that you've got a support system in place so that you don't necessarily collapse at those very negative and destructive opinions. The people you surround yourself with is really important. Personally, I probably prefer to keep that circle really tight and small. And those are the people you you must mostly listen to. So having family close, friends and family that you really, really trust and love and are also honest and, and straightforward with you because sometimes you have made an error or said something wrong. You need those people in your life that can also hold you accountable. So it's important to have those people in your life and then surround yourself with them and stay close to them because in this, in this industry particularly, there will be, you know, there will be um, pressure and there will be times where you aren't performing, things aren't going well and you're open to scrutiny and you've, yes, it's tough at times. I know when I was a young player, I used to read a lot of media and I used to use it as motivation almost and it used to motivate me. And then over time, um, I found that actually less is more for me. There's always, I think there's always place to learn. Even if you are being criticized, if someone is saying something about you or I think it's important to listen. It's always important to listen and be true to yourself, know yourself, um, speak to the close circle around you. And if there is something you can learn from this person that perhaps is being harsh, criticizing you, maybe there is something you can learn. Maybe there is something you know, you're not quite doing as well. Uh, but it's important to listen and, and just be open. And if there's not, you just 
brush it off. It's easier said than done, but uh, that's why you need those, you know, those family members, friends, close people in your life who can also just keep you accountable, but can also just hit you with the truth every now and then. I love that. As you grow, make sure that you keep the honest people with you because they'll make sure whether you're doing the right thing in their view or um, what is aligned to your authentic self, they'll make sure they hold you accountable no matter what happens. So if we go into the structure of you being a defense coach and if we aken it to a typical corporate environment, you've got the CEO and then you've got divisional managers within these organizations. And you've got a main thing that you need to make sure is the main thing within the defense coach role at the Sharks right now. How do you make sure that you keep the focus within what you've been mandated to do within the team, but not isolate and silo yourself in such a way where then you don't collaborate with others because you just, this is your KPR. This is what you actually have to Mm. tick off at the end of the day. Yeah. So what, what I like to use is a, is a preparation cycle for myself. So I've got my own preparation cycle, which is pretty much like a weekly planner. And I've got all my big rocks that I need to hit there on uh, a weekly basis. And, and most of it is, is alignment with, with other coaches. So if, if I'm doing the line out, I need to align with Noel, who's, who's doing the attack. So I need to be able to tell him, listen, Noel, um, the back ball this week in the lineout, it, it, it's going to be tricky. They've got um, big contesters, but I can win front ball for you this week. Okay, we can definitely win front ball. So you're going to have to plan your attack from lineout from front ball, for instance. So me aligning myself with him, I can then bring the best out of not just the lineout, but the best out of the attack. And then the best for the attack will be the best for the team. You need to align in all departments to bring the best out of it. So a lot of my preparation cycle is alignment with, with coaches. And then, of course, players. I love to take my laptop and, and, and um, just sit with the guys, go through a couple of clips, chat, get their ideas, get their input, get their buy-in. The players are on the field. They're the ones making decisions. They're the ones that get a different perspective. And you can just learn so much from them. And the game of rugby is, is constantly evolving and changing. And you need to be, as a coach, to evolve with the players and with the team constantly to be the best. So I really, really believe in collaborating with the players, asking them questions. What do they see? What do they think? And in that way, we can bring the best out of the team environment. And I believe the best product on the field. I've never thought about alignment in terms of revealing where you think that you're not doing well at, where you think that you are weak at within your, within your area, right? Like yes. you were saying earlier, where we're strong over here, but we're pretty weak over here. So I'm going to need your help in your area to make sure that there's an overall win for the, for the team. Yes. For me, I've always thought about alignment as in we're we're just getting alignment so that everyone knows what their roles are, where in actual fact, a lot of the time we can actually start to practically use alignment as in to identify and to recognize where we think we're not great. So we're going to need the rest of the team to possibly 
um, help where their strengths are to complement and to make sure that there's a strong strong balance and a net positive at the end of it. So thanks for thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's a great <laughs> that's a great perspective. And Warren, you were asked to be a defense coach, and it's not like there was a course that you just go straight. Mm. This is how you be a defense coach. Tell me with being given an opportunity where you didn't necessarily know exactly what the role entailed, you didn't necessarily have the formal education to take on that particular role. What did you choose to do? What actions did you take to make sure that you equipped yourself and learned as fast as possible mm -hmm. so that you could contribute meaningfully to the team when you, when you took on a new role like that? Oh, so I've, I've been fortunate to be in a, as mentioned before, a lot of different environments and I've, I've had some fantastic defensive coaches um, throughout my career and, um, but I've never really coached defense prior to, to this opportunity. So to be honest, <laughs> completely honest, when the opportunity came, I was, oh, sheep is, I, I was stressing her. I was nervous and, uh, when Sean asked me, it was like a mixture of excitement and nervousness and wanting to hide, but not wanting to hide and wanting to do it and just leap and take the opportunity. And inside of me, I was dying, but I'm like, I can't say no to this. Like, flip, I, I want to grow. I want to learn. I know I can do it. I know I might not be good enough yet, but I reckon I know I will work hard enough and put enough time in you that I can learn. I believe you can learn, you can learn anything. You can learn anything. If you're open-minded, you put yourself to it, you can learn. And having been obviously a player and having lots of fantastic defensive coaches, being in different environments, I knew I can learn. I can learn this. I can get better at it. I, I think I know what to do. And over probably about a two to three week period of stressing a lot, but I slowly but surely formulated my ideas and ways of doing things and, and a lot of support from, from the other coaches, which, yes, they were phenomenal. And after a month, I was just like, cheapers, this is awesome. Like, I'm just loving it, you know, absolutely loving it, speaking to different coaches, still, you know, making mistakes, something that should take me a half an hour is taking me like three hours because uh, often or with me, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So if I'm planning a session, it would, yes, it would take me three hours and I just overthink everything. And slowly but surely, uh, I got a lot better in reviewing the clips, knowing what to look for, what not to look for, how to do the presentations or what's the best way or what's, what works for me. You know, what do I think the players want or uh, what do I believe the guys need? Asking questions to the players, getting their input, listening, trying to find out what works for them. What do they feel or what do they think the kind of information they need before they play? So it was nerve-wracking, but I, I absolutely loved it. And I was fortunate to have phenomenal coaches around me with a lot of experience, um, a number of them having coached defense before. And I think that really put me, put me at ease. So I, I was a bit fortunate. Um, but yeah, I've been loving, loving it. And uh, at the moment, I'm just kind of 
spending my time honing in on, on my process. And I've, I've really learned that by planning and understanding your process and working on your process, tweaking it, um, evolving it through time, and if your preparation is good, that process obviously contributes to your preparation. It just makes it so much easier for you on a weekly basis. You know, if you connect it to your preparation cycle and knowing what to do, how to do it, and you're constantly evolving, it, yeah, it becomes easy. It becomes so easy. What I take out of that is jump into a new role and be humble enough to ask others for advice <laughs> because you don't necessarily know it. And um, you don't... have to be willing to say i don't know I, I i actually i don't know what the answer is here i don't know what to do just help me <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong in saying that like in fact have to you have to ask for help learn and that's how you formulate your own way of doing things in your particular style something that aligns with with your values the way you like to do things and you need to write it down eh Write it down because that's what writing is. It's, it's thinking, it's formulating. And it might look like a bunch of, a bit of a mess at first, but you organize it and then after a while, it, it's becoming clear. And your plan and your process and the way you do things becomes clearer and clearer. And then you become more effective and better at doing your job. And you get better results and you see, and what I love and the most rewarding thing about coaching is just seeing the guys thrive, eh? the players, and seeing them improve and coming together and um, getting ideas, chatting with each other, collaborating with you as a coach, and then going onto the field and something works that you planned throughout the week, for instance, and you just see the joy like in the in the guys' faces, and you're just like, ah, this is awesome, you know. So that's what I I love about it, is actually just seeing guys thrive within an environment, grow learn, develop, like it's, oh, it's awesome, man. Yes. Yeah.